Welcome to The Get, the Marketing Talent Podcast. This is your host, Erica Seidel. We explore what it takes to get and keep the best marketing leaders in the B2B SaaS world. Today, I am joined by Todd Wilms, who is a fractional CMO in the Bay Area and also the co-author of the very interesting book, Beyond Product. He's on the board of directors of MOCA, which is the Marketing Operations Cross-Company Alliance, an organization I have uh, collaborated with a bunch. And he has a uh, kind of a, a tour of high-tech companies in his background. So most recently with uh, VeriSign and Newstar and SAP and IBM in a variety of senior marketing roles. Uh, most recently with a focus on, on kind of corporate marketing, but now he does uh, broader CMO uh, fractional uh, kinds of roles. So Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Erica. I really appreciate it. This will be fun. All right. Well, let's just get get into it. So Todd, can you tell us how to think of a fractional CMO? Like what, what is it? What's the value prop in a nutshell? Yeah, and, and I think what this does is for a lot of organizations that are earlier in the scale, they're just starting out, they've got a little bit of funding, they know they need to go to market strategy or they need somebody to come in and help them articulate the vision of their company into the marketplace. They need some really strong talent to help them do that. But honestly, they're not at a stage where they need somebody for 100%. And so what a fractional CMO will allow them to do is to find ways to bring somebody in uh, on a part-time basis. So both part-time in terms of hours and part-time in terms of duration, maybe for three months or for six months, they get this great counsel and advice. They also get somebody who can roll up their sleeves and get the stuff done. And it works out really well for everybody. And it's a, it's a great option for companies that are thinking, okay, I need something, but wow, a full-time CMO is just outside of my price range. So it's more about saving money versus saving time. Yeah, and I also think too, it's it's bringing a quality of talent in that they couldn't normally afford. And, and it allows someone who's a fractional CMO to work across a couple of different companies at the same time, or at least in theory to be able to do that. And there's some, there's some ups and downs with, with that model. But yeah, it does, um, it, it tends to work out well for everybody. It gives a lot of variety for the fractional CMO, and it also allows that individual, that company, to really have somebody that can be you know, an amazing talent to help them uh, upscale their marketing and go-to-market strategy. Upscale, I like that word. Um, and, and it seems like there's also the ability to kind of uh, bring in best practices from other companies. So if you are a fractional CMO working across two or three companies at a time, you know, you can kind of uh, pollinate um, practices from one company to the next. And most companies are really uh, kind of thirsty for knowing how other companies run marketing and, you know, whether it's super strategic or, or super tactical. I have also seen fractional CMOs and bigger companies um, one comes to mind that um, was actually in a location where there wasn't a ton of B2B SaaS marketing talent. And so they um, had somebody in a fractional role, it's a much bigger company, I don't know, $300 million company. And they um, they had somebody fractionally in there. Um, and, and I guess, you know, fractional, it can be, you know, part-time like you're talking about, or it can be, you know, a full-time thing for a, a year and then the person moves on. 
Yeah, if if a company is doing like a, a large product launch or they're starting an incubator, they're trying to do something new and they're not sure how well that's going to work out or they need somebody just to go like all in for a short period of time, the fractional model works just as well. I would really think of that as more of a like a, you know, a longer term contract because you're really getting yeah. somebody to go all in on the on the um, on the product or on the incubator. Um, but that model does work. It doesn't have to be just smaller companies. It really comes into, do you need somebody 100% of the time? And do you need them full time? Do you need them for a longer distance? And if the answer is no, then going the fractional route actually makes a lot of sense for companies. Okay. So often in my experience, what a B2B SaaS company really in growth mode is leads, leads, leads. You know, So I'm wondering, is a fractional a misnomer is what that company really needs just a, a, a not just but is what they need a director of demand gen can you discuss yeah you know what's what's really interesting is for those companies that are coming in and they have that leads 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 mentality and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that but it changes the model of who they need and why they need them a fractional cmo is going to look at how do I pull in an overarching strategy? What does that look like? How do we go to market? And then how do I, as an individual, and the team that I have in place, plus my network, how can I go and get that accomplished? Where can I add value and bring people in to do that? That's, that's great if you don't know what you need, but if you're at a stage where you're like, look, we've developed the product, we know what we wanna say in the marketplace, we've done all that work, and now what I need is somebody to just start turning the crank and making this thing happen, then absolutely, you don't need a fractional CMO. You're better off hiring somebody who's, even if it's a short-term engagement, you're better off hiring somebody who's a director of demand gen, somebody who is really knowledgeable, in the weeds, tactical, knows how all the technology works and works together, can make recommendations on that, and can listen directly from what the sales organization or the product teams are saying, and then put that into a language that allows you to start generating and cranking leads into the organization. I think a fractional CMO is gonna be frustrating for everybody involved at that stage because they're not gonna be able to add the value they want, the company's not gonna get the speed that they'd be looking for, and they're not gonna have somebody how how seasoned that person is. They're not gonna have somebody who's really in the weeds and just focused on, I know how to make leads come into the organization and they really need somebody at that stage. And so it's a mismatch um, in terms of skill sets and scope and it just leaves a sour taste in literally everybody's mouth. Mm -hmm. It makes me think like the, the story of the Otis elevator repair person, right? Where that person is called, you know, your elevator breaks, you call the Otis repair person, and it's a guy usually, right? And the guy comes in and he says, um, okay, uh, click, click, all right, here's the problem, and fixes it and charges a lot of money. And people say like, oh, it was just uh, five minutes. But the thing was, you're you're not paying for the five minutes, you're paying for the person uh, person's expertise and knowing where to, you know, where to focus. So it seems like that's, what you can bring to a company. Like you, you know, you talked about this kind of general contractor analogy of being able to kind of marshal the right resources and, um, and engage them to help a company. Yeah, and you know, the, the analogy is it really plays through a lot of the problems that happen with 
CMOs, CEOs, and then the company's expectations. Because there there can be at times like, well, yeah, but you're only working 15 hours this week. Um, you know, we could get so much more. Yeah, you, you could. And if you want to pay for that, you can. But, you know, what you're really looking for is somebody who come in, comes in and has been working with a variety of clients, right? So you talked about that expertise of working at three companies sort of simultaneously. Um, having years of experience behind them, you're really getting the the years, the quality, the the seasoned expertise of somebody when you bring a fractional CMO in. And then you're also getting that person's network, right? You're getting the, the ability for them to come in and say, okay, I've got somebody who's a web developer. I've got somebody who um, is really good at writing copy. I've got somebody who can be uh, like an operations person and run the back office. And you're bringing all of that into play. And I think that's one of the things that is hard for companies to sort of understand and grapple with is, you know, what that CMO does, how they do it, what value they add, because oftentimes it's not necessarily seen. Um, and, and so that can cause some conflict and a little bit of, again, the Otis repairman, I love that analogy, um, a little bit of like, well, they were just here for a short period of time and, you know, what did we get out of them? You actually got a lot. You talk about people bringing in their networks. In your experience talking to other fractional CMOs and looking at your own processes, do you think all fractional CMOs build their network explicitly in order to be able to have these resources to marshal? So I, I think it's a little bit of chicken and egg and a little bit of, of a person's DNA. Uh, part of the reason I was able to go in and start taking on these roles and working as advisors for companies or working as a CMO, one of the things that I could do was I, I collected people, I collected relationships, I kept people for years that I loved working with and I loved their work ethic and I loved their product. And so I, I kept them. and kept conversations with them and kept relationships with them. And, you know, we sent holiday cards together. And I, I collected this group of this posse of people that were really talented, that worked really well for me. And I did that naturally, not knowing that there would be a payoff for any event in the future. I did it because I was curious and liked these people. And so when I started going down this path, I had this ready-made network, like this almost like informal company behind me that could go do all of this stuff. And now that since I'm doing it and I'm going further with this, I'm seeing that I'm building that network even further and being more conscious of it as I bring people on. If you don't have that network in place, if you've always been sort of a lone wolf, maverick, I'm on my own kind of person, then you probably don't have the resources to be able to do this and you're gonna struggle trying to find them. And you're also probably gonna find people that you've never worked with before and they're not a good fit and you'll find that the fractional CMO role for you fails pretty quickly. So I, I think there's a DNA that happens with these the fractional CMOs that allow them to do that, and part of it is the, a curiosity of people, which is not something you would normally equate for this fractional CMO role. Oh, that's very interesting, and it's true. Like, I, I meet hundreds of people, and I met you, God, I can't even remember. Like we met at a conference, we just clicked, we, you know, we talked and we talked, and yeah. we had this other conversation, we stayed in touch, we talked, you know, a bunch of times since then, and that doesn't happen with everybody. And so maybe, um, maybe you're just, yeah, strong at building relationships and, um, and sustaining them. Like I, I always think that 
it's not meeting somebody once that makes a difference. It's meeting them a second time or a third time. And by the time you get to um, just, you know, even just a handful of times of getting to know somebody and meeting them, they feel much more a part of your network um, than like it's it's not it's not that they feel three times um, as strong of a networking connection as somebody that you only met once. They feel almost like ten times because there's so many people that you only meet once. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And um, and you know, there's people that I've met once that I I'm like, wow, I wish I could engage with them more, and never really found the chance. But then, you know, I try and look at um, people that I really click with that um, put me in uncomfortable situations and help me think or change my perspective. And then people that I've worked with or have worked for me in the past that I've really liked what they've been able to do. And I, I just sort of keep a mental Rolodex of those people and and I actively reach out and make those connections. And, and this actually brings up something really interesting, which is it's a little bit on the mushy side, which is hard for a lot of executives to get their heads around, but there's a real value here for them that they might not see. And that's the people that have good EQ, that are curious about people, that connect with people, that, that are, are driven by the people around them. The added benefit that they have is they come in and they're also like a counselor um, a resource, you know, it's putting the CEO on a couch and, and listening to what their fears and frustrations are. One of the things that's been great about being a fractional person or even coming in and, and then turning into an advisor in a company is, yes, I come in and give them my, my expertise, my marketing expertise, the go-to-market strategy. But oftentimes I become, I quickly become this sort of confidant of that person. And and it's probably because I don't work for them directly in a traditional sense. I'm an objective third-party person, and they're looking for somebody to come in and get advice and counsel. I mean, you've got to think of it from the shoes of, of any CEO. Uh, odds are they're probably in over their skis, like they've got a great idea for a product. This is what Beyond Product the book was about. You've got a great idea for a product. They're taking this leap and they are bold and fearless and they're going to go in and make it happen. But then running a company is very different than building a product. And now they have to make all sorts of decisions that they weren't prepared for. And, and so having somebody that they can rely on or even somebody that they can say, hey, you know what, this is really uncomfortable for me, that is worth its weight in gold because it is very lonely. I mean, very lonely. Anybody that's thinking about being an entrepreneur and going off on this, it's very lonely being a CEO. And so having that right hand, so to speak, has tremendous value for them beyond the tactical expertise, beyond what marketing can provide. So if I can sum it up, it seems like there's this combination of um, the fractional CMO has a combination of kind of three things. One is being a doer. A second is being a um, a marshaller, we'll say, like you know, pulling sure. in good and cost-effective resources, um, and then lastly, being a bit of a marketing therapist. Um, and it's maybe that last piece where there is the most value, except that value is, you know, maybe less obvious, and maybe not the value that is sold initially. You know, like I would imagine if you're talking to a CEO and saying, and oh, I could be the best fractional CMO for you, and I'm going to be a great marketing therapist, and you're going to trust me, you know, that that's something you kind of earn <laughs> over time. Like, you, you yeah. can't pitch that in 
um, meeting number one. Um, same with my business, you know, in, in executive search, right? It's, it's, you know, it's a lot of therapy, but that's certainly not what's sold initially. So, um, so my question for you is, what's your advice on how a CEO should pick a fractional CMO from all the ones out there? Like, what, what should they, uh, what should they avoid, and what should they um, uh, kind of lean into when that CEO is is uh, picking a CMO for fractional purposes? Well, most CEOs don't have a marketing background. Most of them are product or engineering or finance. They they've got vision and direction, and they know how to run a smooth smooth organization. I've I've only met a few real marketer CEOs, and and so they don't understand what the marketer is saying. They don't understand the value. And if they're trying to pick out of the cacophony of people that are out there on LinkedIn or sending them cold call emails, nothing's really gonna stand out. Maybe you're lucky the one person at the exact moment where they're so frustrated, but odds are they're not gonna be able to tell you from the host of other people. So this really comes down to the network. Um, either you've worked with somebody they know you've worked at a company that's in their space, or you've got something like a person saying, hey, they've been great, or one of their investors is saying, I use this person. Um, you know somebody at the country club, whatever it is, there's, there's a personal connection that needs to happen. If any CEO is listening to this conversation, it's really trust your network, trust the people around you, and then make sure that you've got a good connection with that person not a touchy-feely one, but just make sure you've got a good connection with that person that you know that, or at least believe that they can come in and add some extra value beyond just just the marketing expertise. Then you've got a really great fractional CMO. Um, you can go through and, and do all sorts of, I'm a blank fractional CMO, I'm a leads fractional, I'm a growth fractional. Um, and, and those things might help you sort of get out of the rut of everybody else. But I, I think it's also just, let your personality out. And I know the conversation we've been having today is very mushy, emotional, touchy-feely, and more on the softer side of stuff. But those are the things that really get you noticed by a CEO or a business leader, or has somebody actually come in and say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna put my reputation on the line and tell you, you need to go hire Todd and, and make that connection. They're doing that because they trust you and you've built a good relationship with them. Great, super. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights on the podcast. Um, what is the place where people can go if they want to hear more about you? Oh, well, thank you. So uh, the easiest place to find me is just to go to foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, just like it sounds. And you can find everything you need from uh, copies of the book, Beyond Product. Uh, there's 57 interviews podcasts available from CEOs, investors, advisors, mentors, and good marketers out there. And it's a great place to figure out where I am, what I'm doing, and what's new with me. Awesome, great. Thank you, Todd. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Erica. Thanks for joining us today for The Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify so you don't miss a thing.